0: if we're told that this is how um, the hospitality industry needs to run in order to be like functional that's what we believe that's why the chef continues to go in for 80 hours a week because he believes that's the only way to do it so the burden is not on the chef the burden is on the system And the system needs to be foundationally changed by the people who are in power.
1: Today on Dirty Linen, we are heading up the Adelaide Hills and talking to Jay Marinus. Jay is going to have to explain all the various things that he does, but I'll start by saying that he's a psychologist, a PhD candidate, a publican, and he's building a therapeutic garden. Jay, welcome to Dirty Linen.
0: Gosh, thanks for having me on. I, I, like I said uh, via email, I've been a fan for a long time, so this is a really lovely conversation to have.
1: Wow, I'm looking forward to this conversation as well because I'm absolutely fascinated by the way you're tying all these different threads together. But I know you sort of see that they do intersperse and interweave in a logical way. So, Jay, yeah, fill us in. Tell us a bit about yourself and all the projects you've got going on.
0: Yeah, I, I really do believe that they are essentially one um one conversation. Uh, I recently had another conversation with um, a gentleman uh, on the ABC uh, via a radio station, and I left his end remarks were that um, uh, this idea was bold, um, which I, I negate. I think that's totally unfair. I think that um, intrinsically, hospitality is about connection with community. And if we're not doing that properly, then what What exactly are we doing? So um, yeah, I, th- I think that it is maybe a little bit different, um, but it's definitely not bold or strange or, or out of the ordinary. Um, it's just a, a forgotten story, so to speak. Um, and so what we're doing and what the general idea is, is uh, we, we want to recombine the notion of hospitality and um, healthcare, hospitality and gift economies um, and rebuke the idea that hospitality must be this ultra-commodified, capitalistic intention. Um, and and we, we do that by a few means. And, and um, the first one is building this therapeutic horticulture therapy garden, uh, which we've named Topsoil. Um, and And topsoil is sort of the conduit between uh, the restaurant uh, the Scenic hotel and the Allied health practice which will come in the future called Demeter allied health um, and and it doesn 't necessarily the idea doesn't have to function on a, a pub it could be um, you know a library and a cafe and an allied health program um, it It just predicates on the fact that we shouldn 't be siloed in our approach to and service provision and um, hospitality is the is the one fundamental key in making this work. It has to be um, maneuvered by our, our our most fundamental ways of giving, which is food and drink.
1: Wow, it's very mind-bending um, and I know I'm not supposed to think it's bold, but I suppose, you know, sometimes the, the best and the most radical ideas are actually very obvious when you express them or start to live them out and perhaps that's that's sort of what you're getting at. But, what I mean, tell me what you think hospitality is and can be.
0: Well, um, so before I studied psychology, I studied classical history um, and... You know at the end of it, I was like, well, what am I going to do with this? Uh, but really it informed how I think today. so it actually was quite worthwhile and hospitality if you're considering sort of fifth century Greek philosophers um, is the is the structural foundation of all all society uh, so much so they believed this that you know in the pantheon or you know the, the 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 polytheistic version of their their gods, Zeus who's the king of the gods. Was the king of the gods and hospitality. They were his his two jobs. Um, if if you're not w- holding true to um, the intention of hospitality, you know you can't build a foundation of life. And so, um, you know, ba- based on this idea of Xenia of of you know, being the protector of strangers, the generosity of gift exchange, um, it was a moral obligation. And so now fast forward 2000 something years and we have the remnants of that, you know, we have similar words um, and similar concepts, but now we have all of these capitalistic intentions which have been piled over the top of them. And so somewhere in our shared deep memory we remember these things but uh, unfortunately the overt terms are lost so um you know I, I think very few hospitality workers get into the business because of financial imperatives and if you follow that logic far enough it's because they're you know they they believe that the spirit of the gift, the urge to provide and be received is more important than anything else. And and if you read the subtext of what people are saying in some of these fancier restaurants, that's what they're trying to say, but they've lost, they've lost the true meaning because um, of, of money really. And, and I'm, you know, I'm not a crazy socialist, but um, I do believe in some socialist intentions and, and, you know, you know, emergency departments being one of them. I think that if you, if you invite Financial drive into our, our foundational n- needs and you know human requirements, then you you pollute the true intention of it. And so, I, I would put hospitality on the same level as as emergency departments. I think they're as important. So everything after that is 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 the issue.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, I suppose you know, there's about a million thoughts going through my mind. It's very thought provoking. Um, But one of them is that, you know, it's all very well to have uh, idealistic, hospitable intentions. But then, of course, you know, you do live in this other world as well where you need to pay rent and, um, you know, uh, yeah, buy toilet paper. Um, so, but then you sort of answering that by not just creating a business with these intentions, but creating this ecosystem of other businesses that sort of supports it. So it's this, it's sort of, I guess, infusing a network of, um, uh I guess institutions or businesses uh, or yeah enterprises with the same sort of ethics is am i sort of vaguely understanding
0: it no no you' you 're totally on the money and and I guess the, the the point of the matter is that we of course we live in a world which is financially driven um, and we have to live within that framework. How do we do that in such a way as to provide you know delicate f- thoughtful and um, Interesting solutions which can pull all of these things together. Because I'm not asking for um, us to change the way the world works overnight. Um, all I'm suggesting is that we can, you know, reinstate the idea of what a gift is into hospitality to spark change in a way which will then in turn over time change the way our culture works. So and I think hospitality is primed to be that that sort of petri dish of change. Um, and so the way that we do that in our model, which I'm not saying is the beyond endo, I'm just asking to provoke that thought in our in the people in our industry is is by setting up um, you know, streamlined services through allied health practice and horticulture therapy in order to bring farm to table produce honestly to the to the participant and and the guest rather than whatever is happening right now. Um, you know, to in order to, to eat at one of these restaurants that Um, You know, I'm sure we could list about, you know, 100 of them that have jumped on this bandwagon of healthy food and, you know, refined food being simple food and coming straight from the farm and having connection with a farmer. Um, You know, it's you have to sell an arm and, and maybe half a leg in order to pay for it. And so what does that tell us about our culture and our society where, you know, our most marginalized, the people that need this service the most, something that is a... A human, a human right to eat a really well-farmed carrot. Why is that only accessible in in restaurants which cost three hundred dollars a head? You know, like that makes absolutely no sense. Once you take a step back from it, so what I'm suggesting is that we come up with some solutions to that problem. Um, otherwise, there's there's no future for hospitality uh, in my in my perspective. Um, how can we? L- Say that what we're doing is hospitable if we're excluding more than half of the population.
1: So, what do you do?
0: So, you know, first and foremost, um, we we're going to provide. You know, this is a concept, and 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 thankfully, so far we've had. You know, about we're running a a a crowdfunding campaign at the moment, and we've had about two hundred and fifty backers, raised almost fifty thousand dollars, and and about. $25,000 $25,000 worth of in-kind support whether it's a um, an accountant coming to lend their hand with the not-profit status or um, you know a local guy from the hills that's going to help us terrace and make the place safe but you know what we're trying to achieve is a co-design with the people around us so that this concept can you know work for everyone and you know the first and foremost thing that we want to do is build this garden and c- create a place which fosters positive and healthy communities and grow the things which we're then going to serve Um, and and through that we have things like the ndis and medicare rebates and all of that stuff which is going to be the funding model which provides our you know horticulture therapists slash um front of house workers slash chefs whoever they want to be they it's a dual role you get to work with your participant and also grow vegetables for the restaurant. And those things should come hand in hand. You know, if we want to take a tangent, I know that I can do that really quite frequently and get us off track, but um, working in a restaurant five days a week or six days a week for, you know, 50 or 60 hours, which is the norm, is soul destroying. And what I'm suggesting is that, you know, we can also make roles for people that are diverse and inclusive and, Uh, meaningful in their in their work so that you're not just you know waiting 50 tables a day but you're also getting to grow the vegetables and that's very influenced by my time at the Summertown Aristologist that was an incredible experience um, but still has some of these fundamental flaws in the way that um, you know it's not accessible to everyone so sorry getting back on track um, we have a garden it will be serviced by the people that work in the restaurant and also allied health practitioners like myself and also other community members in a way which fosters positive health for the participant, for the person working with the participant, and then also provides, you know, farm to table produce into the restaurant, which allows for anyone that comes and dines there to have that connection back with the community. Um, You know, that will end in pay what you can style dining experiences, which then allow for further integration of our participants, our workers and the general public. Um, And all throughout that are little other ways of that latent funding coming into the business. No longer should we predicate um, business development on these sort of weird 5% profit models, which, you know, try and profiteer off food and drink. Like it's impossible to profit off food and drink. Anyone that's listening to this that works in a restaurant or owns a restaurant knows that um, in their heart. The only way to make that, you know, measly 5% profit, which we all base our business models off, is, um, you know, derogating the environment, overworking our employees, promoting binge drinking, the ramifications are endless. Um, So what I'm suggesting is that, you know, we have a whole industry based on the gift and we can create new latent funding models in order to support a healthy industry and a healthy society.
1: Great. (laughs) Sounds good. Um, I'm seeing this sort of golden carrot that's sort of floating through this um, ecosystem doing good all along the way. Um, is therapeutic horticulture a thing? Like are people engaging in
0: that? Yeah, there's definitely some examples of this in Australia and sort of worldwide. Um, there's one that comes to mind which is in Victoria, um, Kevin Hines Grow. So that's that's just the if you were to pull apart our idea, it would just be the the horticulture therapy garden and Allied health practice. Um, and And they're you know such an amazing organization. they've They've us a hand with some of our design. but it doesn't take that next step into integrating back into society. and that's my issue as a if we're going to talk about you know therapy and and working allied health, that's the major issue on on that side of the equation. We're really good at doing individualized support but it's really siloed so that, you know, now Mm. we have the NDIS, we have streets full of people in, you know, um, really sad and dilapidated areas, which we've just like renovated and provided them with a house. Um, But they're, they're isolated. They're just all in one street, one after the other, never having communication with each other, but then services coming in and out. It's like, incredibly strange to watch and be a part of and so i'm saying on the other end we also have issues with mental health sphere where you know these places like um kevin heinz grow allow for therapists to work with participants in a more of a community integration model rather than these siloed approaches um, because we all know that we need to learn from each other if we don't know someone that has a disability we don't understand that disability we're probably more likely to be afraid of it um which is another symptomatic issue with our society at large we you know um it's quite topical that sort of conversation from scott morrison where he said i'm blessed to not have children that have autism it's like so symptomatic of that entire sentence it's like you don't know anyone that has autism therefore you don't value it and and that's why linking it into hospitality spaces is so important because that's where we learn from each other. That's where we share stories. That's where we create ideas. If we're, if we're, you're just thinking about this person with say autism or schizophrenia or whatever it is sitting in their house, receiving supports in and out, maybe going to the shops with a support worker. That's the limitations to their experience of the outside world. And also we're robbed of the experience of them because they have intrinsic value and that value isn't seen. And so where are they in our hospitality spaces? They're not there. And so we have this really poor society where we don't have access to some of the more interesting, and diverse people. And so it's just this like whitewashed, fancy restaurant, tweezer chef thing that's going on, which is so, I'm, I'm gonna piss people off when I say this, but it's disgusting. it's um, not to say that the people are, the people are really well-intentioned. Everyone that I know in hospitality wants to help people. And that's what I've seen through this campaign like the amount of hospitality people that come out of the woodwork and just said jay can i give you my time can i come and work there can i do anything to help you because we are suffering and not only are we suffering because our intentions are good but the customers also suffering that's why we have this whole culture of like just wanting to take restaurants down and give them a one star like what is that about it's about like the whole society being sick and it all comes down to the way we treat our most marginalized and the, the way we grow food, it comes down to the way we operate our society on a fundamental level.
1: So I guess, you know, the, sh- the chef that comes to you and says, oh, can I come and help you? Like ideally what they would do is look at your model and bring it into their own workplace.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's our long-term goal. So you've, you, you're, you're always one step ahead of me, so it seems. Um, our long-term goal is not to sit on top of the hill and say, we're, we're really smart people and we worked out how to make our industry from our shop better. Like, of course not. Um, I'm sure you can hear the passion in my voice. Like I'm I, I'm hungry for change and the only way that happens is through open source education. And so um, I, I think hospitality has a beautiful opportunity to, to, to change the way that we think and feel. It has been doing that for thousands of years and now we've just forgotten that. Um, our hospitality workers are the most important people in our, like, apart from doctors and, you know, definitely not lawyers. Sorry, lawyers out there, but you know, um, they're they're the most important people that we have. They they change people's lives. They change people's experience day to day. And so, when the when the farmer comes here, uh, sorry, when the chef comes and visits us, I want to impart that knowledge to them. Yes, because I want them to take that to their own place. But more than that, I want to create an open source form of education so that we can. Um, measure and understand the exact mechanisms which this idea promotes and then provide this to other places so that, you know, the local cafe, um, there's a, there's a cafe in Adelaide called Cafe Troppo and they already do this, you know, they're, they're in this square in the middle of the city that, um, is right next to a homelessness shelter and everyone in the cafe knows what to do when someone's experiencing, um, you know, a, a really bad day. Um, and they'll, they'll like, know exactly how to be calm and collective and generous. And by virtue, also the guests do it as well. I've sat there many times and seen guests pick someone up from the street and help them. And, you know, after that, the conversation is, oh, could I have done more? What else could I have done? And and so what I'm saying is that, you know, if we can open source this information, we can help train and mobilise places like Cafe Tropo, the homelessness shelter, and a practice to all work together to create one latent funding options for hospitality. So we don't have to rely so heavily on food and drink. And we can also allow for the community to be benefited by everyone sharing a same story rather than these siloed businesses, which all sit to make a profit, all of which, are, you know, apart from um, <laughs> hospitality is struggling. It, it, it doesn't make money. How do we make money? Well, you, you stop trying to focus on food and drink and start focusing on providing gifts and then the money will come in turn. That's the, that's the, the crux of it, I guess.
1: It's really interesting. You know, you say that hospitality workers are are so important and, you know, they absolutely can change people's, you know, days, lives. You just never know on which few words somebody's, you know, mood or indeed trajectory of their whole life is going to change. But I suppose, you know, what you're also getting to is that the, this, this really important work that people in hospitality do doesn't always it, they're not always doing it in an environment that's supportive to them. And it can be that feeling of just giving and giving and giving and not being sustained by, by that. Um, and therefore, you know, it is so, it can be so draining and it, it you know, p- 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 people often, you know, leave the industry or, or, or even continue in it, but with some sort of bitterness and, and resentment, even while, still believing in the ultimate project, which is that it's, you know, it's really worthwhile and valuable. So there's that. But then I think there's also something so um, connected to that in what you say about people who are providing these services to um, people living with disabilities in in their homes, like that ho- whole idea of that the person who is in, you know, needs, needs this assistance is sort of they're receiving, but they're not able to to give. They're not able to share what they've got to offer. And, and the, the benefits to a person of, Yeah, giving, you know, whether it's that person you're talking about who's, you know, um, has schizophrenia or is in a, you know, in a wheelchair or whatever it is, but, yeah, that they would be able to garden or serve food um, and therefore give and be part of the community in that way uh, would be of such amazing benefit to them and, yeah, as you've said, to the people who are around them being being part of that experience. So, yeah, I'm not sure what I've exactly just said, but I feel like there's there's this sort <laughs> no, of, <I> love <laughs> there's this kind of, um, I guess, economy of giving and receiving that you're really, tapping into? Because I think, yeah, you're talking about the gift, but I think the, the, the receiving is so important as well.
0: Well, that's the thing about gift and altruism. You know, you, 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 you enter into that relationship with the best of intentions. But the interesting thing about it when, it, when something is given in the spirit of the gift, it almost always has a reciprocal value. Um, and that's what we've forgotten. Another, you know, another old story we've forgotten um, we always think that we have to put ourselves above someone else and, you know, get ahead of the pack in order to survive. But that's a that's a of scarcity. That's that's what's that's something that cap, cap, you know, capitalistic intentions lies to us. I'm not saying that capitalism hasn't done a, a bunch of great things, but um, what it does do is lie to us in lots of ways um, in order for us to think that we need to be in competition with one another when actually we're all you know running the same race and um we're all teammates there's there's no such thing as competition it's it's just about um give and return and being received and that's all human really needs Uh, and that's what we've forgotten and that's why hospitality is so important because like you said we have all these people that have sort of given up or holding resentment but they do it still why 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 do they do it for $26 an hour whatever it is, the award wage these days? They do it because, like I said, they have this shared deep memory of what it means to be hospitable. And, you know, we've covered over it with all these daggy pieces of wallpaper, including Tweezer Chef culture. And, and then when I hear people talk about what hospitality means to them, it's so diluted. In comparison to the true message, which is really quite sad. But I think that we're still primed to revivify this idea in such a beautiful way. And that's all I'm trying to remind us of this old story of what it means to be truly hospitable and how to, in a modern world, profit and pay the bills and stock the toilet paper in a way which isn't of derogation to the earth, each other, um, and, and everything in between.
1: So you know you mentioned you've got these um two hundred and fifty supporters of the the crowdfunding and you've you're running the scenic hotel in the Adelaide hills. I mean, how is it going like what's you know what does it feel like to to be yeah part of this
0: Well, you know, I have to lump myself in the same category as everyone else at the moment because we're we're running a pretty stock standard hospitality model at the moment, and that was intentional because we had to get this old dilapidated building off its feet and on you know off its knees and onto its feet um and and the way we knew how to do that was just to run a a standard model and 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 then also include people um through the process of with lived experience in order to you know try and come up with a more inclusive um better um way of living you know it means we're making no money because you know we, we ask chefs to stop working after 38 hours and um and all of the rest but how it feels it feels you know not great yet because we haven't taken that next step and i know that i'm a big hypocrite at the moment um because you know i'm preaching all this stuff about gift economy but there is no pay what you can style dinners at the hotel yet Um, there is no you know true sense of the gift in that hotel yet but um, i guess I'm, i'm coming to everyone with open arms and an open heart and saying you know, I'm also flawed, I'm also on this journey, come with me and help me discover what that means um, and let's build it together. And so you know, that's why we did a crowdfunding because the, it is a not-profit and it should be co-designed. And if people decided that they weren't going to fund it, then I knew this wasn't the right idea, but it, we've had quite the opposite effect. So it tells me that there, this is something people want and it is something that's in this shared deep story and 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 in this in this memory that we all share of what hospitality means to us and so yeah it it feels hopeful but also um i'd be remiss to say that i'm I'm elated you know it's uh there's a long way to go and i think that you never stop growing um yeah we all have a long way to go
1: Jay, how did you come to be doing all this? I mean, you mentioned that you worked at the Summertown Aristologist, um, but obviously you've also, you know, you're you're a longtime time student. Uh, yeah, what's your backstory? Uh,
0: yeah, so I, I worked hospitality as long as I can remember um, and met people like Alistair John Lendon-Wells, who is a co-owner of the hotel as well. Um, he was, you know, we worked at a, uh, at a wine bar and he trained me on how to be the most, you know, courageous and generous version of myself and collected other people along the way at different restaurants in the city um, like Enoch Yates, who's also a uh, you know the third person to the Trium Vitae. and um, yeah worked in a bunch of different restaurants wine bars um, then started a, a little wine distribution company called son of Dot drinks which sells only living wine from regenerative farms um, and through that started doing you know events which spoke of Social impact wrapped in pop culture um and and yeah, it's sort of like it's, it's, I'm a, a bit of a spider web person. I just like throw my webs around and see what happens on the other end but um it the decision to to follow this path to a you know this restaurant allied health garden combination obviously is a is a life worth of information and experiences collected but um it came when I was on, um, I was on a exchange, which didn't last very long for various reasons, but I was in Germany and it was during the, um, you know, 2010, 11 ish era. And that was during the Syrian, you know, that the really bad Syrian war that was occurring at the time. And, um, we were me and my friend were sitting at a, at a diner, which was a pay what you can style diner. And there was just, you know, Syrian families, people with disabilities, People that were rich, people that were poor, every different color or background, all eating together, all, you know, understanding one another. And, you know, in Berlin, there's a rent control subsidies and all of these different things. And I saw what that meant for their society. And I was studying psychology. I'd finished my classical histories degree. And all of that sort of informed the way that I wanted to now push into my future and started to build this concept of – Bringing the gift back to hospitality, what does that mean well it 's got to do with psychology for sure because i 've already started that. Um, I have to weave that in somehow otherwise it 's another three years i 've wasted um, and then, uh, and then it, it, you know talking to people in the city that they were sort of understanding what I was saying, I went and worked at places like the Aristologists to understand farming and all of these things just sort of fell into place, and the, the idea formed in its in its current in its current way.
1: Yeah, so interesting. I I'm, I'm a big um proponent of the idea that you sort of start where you are and you know whatever your expertise is, you can probably start doing creating amazing change within that. I mean, do you yeah, do you think that too? It's like, you know, someone could be also, I don't know, uh, like a, a fashion designer or a carpenter or a sparky or whatever it is and they can probably they could probably think of their own Ecosystem creation, just like you've you've thought of, just because of the things that they they already happen to be embedded in. Is that is that? Do you see it like that?
0: Absolutely, and I think that you know the the if if you wanted to zoom out and look at the macro idea, it's about um, r- removing the siloed approach to industry and how can we integrate together to make a stronger system because we are stronger together. And and once again, that's another lie of capitalism which tells us that we have to be in competition with one another, but actually we're stronger together. And any industry that you're in, you can find a way to be more inclusive of other people and find other and you know more interesting ways of creating revenue because we must live within what we are given. But by doing that, we are single-handedly undermining the status quo and saying that whatever industry we're in, we can make it so that people that are marginalised uh, have access to whatever I'm doing and, and and it doesn't need to be pro bono work. It, it can be low bono or, you know, like I said, delicate and interesting ways of finding solutions to the problem. But I do believe that whilst you can do that from any industry, hospitality is the most primed to solve a lot of these larger systems issues because they are the cornerstone of, of humanity. It's, like I said, where we... Where we create ideas it's where we meet it's where we share thoughts it's where we get to know each other without that we humans are pack animals without that we don't have each other
1: so if if you' you know people that are listening to this are you know likely to be in the hospital world, whether it's as a worker or a customer or an owner do you, what are you, I mean I won't ask you for the answers, but even what are the questions that these people could perhaps ask? about their own work or business or the their, their own way they, they dine in, in restaurants and cafes?
0: So I guess the big first question is, is, is what I'm doing in the industry impacting someone else, like the, that chef working 80 hours, um, or is it impacting the earth? You know, is this factory farm meat that we're consuming good for the sustainability of the future. Um, and, you know, ask yourselves those hard questions. And if the answer is yes, then what you're doing, you know, inherently is no longer hospitable because to be hospitable is to, to, to provide gifts to not just the person in front of you, but every, everything around you. Um, and so if the answer is yes, then then probably try and change the way in which you're, you're operating. And, and then if, you, even then your operation doesn't fundamentally satiate your moral code and also you can't financially make that sustainable you have to ask the question of well, is this system broken and if the system is broken you have to kind of find a new way of thinking and that's that's the, that's how i've come to this i'm not saying that my idea is perfect it's far from that, but you have to ask yourselves those questions because if you're transgressing your moral boundaries consistently, you're not living a life worth living. And that's why we have this mental health epidemic, because people are just going about, you know, I hear this all the time. Oh, I hate my job, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you hate your job because you have a, a set of values, but you're consistently transgressing them. And and hospitality workers are doing that every single day. That's why half of them are alcoholics and the other half, um, you know, had never held a so stable relationship. It's like... we are consistently transgressing our moral boundaries of being people that want to give and are are trying to fit a square square peg in a round hole. And so if if you answer any of those questions, yes, um, and still at the end of the day, after everything you've done, you can't make it work, it's time to start thinking of something else. And I'm not saying this is the solution. I'm just saying there needs to be a solution and I'm sorry, but you know, like, Call out culture and council culture, and demanding X, Y, and Z is not the solution. Because if anyone's owned a business, they realise that those pressures are huge as well. And we need to find more elegant solutions to them, other than this council know, culture or tweezer chef culture that we've sort of inherited.
1: I guess you know you've also, even from your own experience, where you, you sort of acknowledge that you're on you're on a pathway. You haven't reached the destination yet. I guess we can all you know um, be Generous with ourselves and, and and gracious and acknowledge that it might be about deciding to make a change and then making a small change or looking at one area and trying to transform that It's like I think these things can often be quite overwhelming, but I feel like if you realize that any change is possible and you start to start on that pathway, then you know perhaps you know the next thing that you want to change will be that little bit easier. Um, or you you learn strategies to to make change as well
0: yeah, and, and the the burden of proof is not on the worker if for the workers out there that are you know under um, a business and, and a management and ownership structure the burden is not on you to solve these problems it 's for you to definitely point at them and say, "Hold on what about this um, but the the burden is on the owners out there like uh, us at the scenic it 's about all right well we want you to open this business, so we have to find ways to to not disturb the natural environment as much as we can to, to not abuse staff, to not create culture, which is, um, about sexual assault and, um, drug and alcohol abuse. It's, it, the burden is on us to find those solutions. And yes, I think that you're right, that we should be kind to ourselves and each other and try and do this, um, incrementally. And, but at the same time, if, if, if you are a business owner and those things are happening in your business, you can't turn a blind eye to this anymore. And I think that um, you, I would prefer that those restaurants close than continue on the path that they are. Um, because it, it's, we're at a point now with climate catastrophe that we don't need fancy restaurants that can't also be um, environmentally sustainable. And we certainly don't need owner operators that are you know, abusing their power over others. We don't need that anymore. And I'm, I'm not going to be gentle with those people.
1: Uh, yeah well it's um it's really interesting it, it makes me think of uh, the fact that you were call- these ideas were called bold at the, you know at the top of this conversation when you mentioned that it's it's interesting it's like part of the problem is that these ideas can seem so bold I guess
0: yeah or idealistic that was a word you used just earlier I think that it's unfortunate that um, we've come to that but I totally understand why we think they are um, but all, all of the the best solutions are always a bit Um, um, strange and foreign before they become uh, part of our society. So I don't really mind that they're thought of that way. It kind of actually just, you know, spirits me further because if you, if you and other people were saying, Oh, okay, cool. I've heard of that. um, I'd be like, well, well, that's the kind of the same story then. Um, It needs to be challenging the system and we can't just, you know, recently I heard someone that's quite um, famous in the restaurant industry talk about kindness in hospitality. And it was like, you know, challenge the status quo as to be kind to one another. It's like positive psychology bullshit. Um, No, I'm sorry. Like that's not the solution. Everyone in the hospitality industry, large largely is already kind and they're trying their goddamn best, but the solutions are much harder than that. And they're, they're about pulling the blanket out from underneath and looking at the Actual problems underneath, and they are systems issues from economic and philosophical, you know, um, problems. They're not. They're not like be kind to one another. This is ridiculous thinking. I think.
1: Okay. Well, I don't know. I I get what you're saying. It's it's systemic, and I think it's yeah. It's asking people to be kind. It is that individual responsibility, which I think that whole individualistic um, thrust in our our present society is, yeah, cause of a lot of problems. So definitely, it's about, I guess, working together to, yeah, reshape. I guess reshape everything
0: for sure. But we are, we are, we are shaped by the way that our society is created, and I think that we are thrust into this world with all of these systems which are, you know, fund, foundationally not beneficial to any of us. This, you know, to reflect on what we've talked about the, the, the lies of scarcity. Um, are a huge one and like once again the burden is not on each individual because they've been brought into this place and given what they're given and they think based on their collection of experiences and so it takes um thinking outside of that general discussion and like pointing at the actual fundamental errors which then shape the way we think um, because we're humans are a collection of experiences and blood and bone, that's all we are. And so if we're told that this is how um, the hospitality industry needs to run in order to be like functional, that's what we believe. That's why the chef continues to go in for 80 hours a week because he believes that's the only way to do it. So the burden is not on the chef. The burden is on the system. And the system needs to be foundationally changed by the people who are in power And, you know, that can go all the way up the top, but I think we can do this from a grassroots level, each individual restaurant, thinking outside the box of how they can create latent funding in ways which are more revolutionary and less usury. usury.
1: Love it, Jay. Um, I just cannot wait to stay in touch with you to continue to watch this unfold. Um, Yeah, I feel like you'll create your own change and there'll be, yeah extraordinary ripples um as people start to understand more about what you're doing um but yeah thank you so much for sharing uh what you're up to um in the adelaide hills with us today it's just yeah really it's gonna keep, keep it's gonna keep me thinking and i reckon acting um given what we've talked about that's awesome thanks so much
0: danny i'd really I'd re- thank you i'd really like to keep the conversation going i think that you're someone that I look up to and I, I really love your perspective on hospitality and, and industry at large. And um, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to catch up to you, catch up with you. And if anyone wants to learn more, they can visit our website, which is um, topsoilgarden.org um, or flick us an email. I, you know, I'm happy to talk to anyone if they have questions or, um, you know, want to know more because I know that within this short um, interview, I, I probably haven't done the whole thing justice. And like I said at the beginning, I pretty easily go off philosophical tangents, but um, hopefully people have a a broad strokes understanding of what I'm talking about.
1: Absolutely. And we'll put those links in your email in the show notes uh, so people can stay informed and stay in touch. Thanks so much, Jay. Appreciate it. Thanks, Danny. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant.